You're listening to Talk to Tall. This is Talia. I have helped people in varying capacities, whether it was how to get divorced, how to come out of the closet, how to feel better in my own skin, start a new career, move across the country, move across the world, working on their addiction, how to be honest. It's very easy to lie to ourselves. I like to say the truth is erotic. Let me help you find yours. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talk to Tall. I'm excited today. We are going to have a dear friend of mine who's a divorce lawyer on the show. I am curious to ask her a question I had from a caller, which is, does anyone come to a divorce lawyer to try to decide if divorce is even right for them? And I think that the caller was interested to know some next steps when she was feeling uncomfortable with where things were in her marriage. And having spoken to a therapist, she wanted to know a divorce lawyer's perspective. So I'm looking forward to talking to Mariana Olenko. Thanks for coming to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So my curiosity is um, in some of the work that you do, what you notice uh, just in your specialty, um, and particularly some of the things that you might find in, in, in common that people come and say to you, um, I guess... I just like to know how people approach you when they hire you and what are some of the regular conversations that you had? Why did you want to get into this work, et cetera? Well, I'll answer the last question first. Um, When I graduated from college, I had a job in a big corporate law firm as a paralegal. And I was a tax paralegal. I worked with corporations. I worked with documents that I didn't like or understand that were incredibly boring. And I realized early on that if I went to law school and became a lawyer, I wanted to work with people. I wanted to have a connection with real human beings. And I wanted to help them solve real life problems. So when I work with clients who are going through a divorce, a separation, a child custody, anything related in the family law arena, I feel like I can play a part in helping them reach a resolution so that they can go on with their lives in the best way possible under the circumstances. Wow. And do you think, I mean, this, I have this curiosity for myself because I too (laughs) have been divorced and, um, you know, I don't know if it's my personality, but there's always something in me at the end of the relationship where I'm looking for reassurance from other people. Do people ever come to you before they've actually executed the full decision to try to get some idea of why it's better to stay married? Or is it always that they've completely decided it's time to it's playtime or go time? I think sometimes people do want to talk through what their options are so that they can weigh whether it's better for them to remain in a marriage that may be unsatisfactory on some level. Um, There are very few absolutes, I find. But most of the time they come to me because they 
you know, when you know, you know, and if somebody knows that their marriage is over, it's very difficult to talk somebody into staying, nor is it my job or nor do I think it's anybody's job to do that. Well, I mean, maybe somebody's. Um, so I think most of the people that I see have already decided that they no longer wish to remain married to the person they're presently married to. Mm-hmm. And do you do you attract more male clients or more female clients? It's really, I've been for a long, I've been doing this for over 20 years, which is amazing because I'm like only 18 years old myself. <laughs> but um, I, like, I would go through periods where I would have all men or all women. And now I would say it's, I don't know, 50, 50, like there's really, I have both male and female clients. I think now I have more female clients, but it really, it could change in, in the next week. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you find that there's a common denominator when somebody comes to you, something that's, uh, you've seen or noticed in several of your cases altogether? I think people who come to me are going through an important life change. They're often scared. They need information. They're uncertain um, as to what the next steps should be. They're uncertain as to what their children's lives are going to look like. If they have children, they're uncertain about finances. And they they want facts. They want some kind of... Um, not necessarily assurance, but they want to know what the parameters are of what their life can look like. And to the extent that I can provide that, I feel like this is why I went to law school and this is why I wanted to be in a position where I can help people in a constructive way. It's fascinating. I think that's a really powerful job to have and important and um, I'm sure very emotional, and it's hard because you you have people around you that are so emotional. So a lot of that energy must be directed towards you at times. For sure, and I mean honestly, like if I, I mean I would never divulge a client confidence, but honestly, I don't know why most of my clients like they don't come to me, and this is the reason why I want to get a divorce. You know, unless the other person is a danger to the the other parent is a danger to the children, it's not a really an important element for me to know exactly what went wrong in the relationship. That's more a role for the therapist, a friend, a confidant. I mean, I'm there just for the legal stuff. And of course, there's some bleed over because we're all human beings and we all have life experiences. And when, when you talk to somebody about things like finances in your life, the the details of the relationship seep in. But I think unless there's a safety issue or domestic violence issue, something that's very uh, relevant to the proceedings, I don't really need to know if they're just bored with each other or in love with someone else. That's that's really not a part of um, the divorce proceedings in my view. Right. And as time has gone on, have you noticed that there is more divorce than when you started practicing? There's always a lot. Of, I mean, there's I've, I've been busy since I started working. <laughs> um, there's always a lot of... <laughs> Um, there's always a lot of divorce. Shockingly for me, January is always the busiest time. And I don't know whether it's just after 
people wait until like, okay, let's have one last holiday with the kids or whether they're like surrounded by the in-laws and they're like, get me out of here. I don't know, but I find that January is a really, a really busy time for divorce lawyers. I never thought about that being seasonal, but yeah, I can imagine it's first of the year. I might as well quit drinking, go to the gym and get a divorce. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, so I want to ask you just questions as, as a woman and someone in, in my life and in the world, why do you think that, I mean, I know obviously relationships are very challenging and difficult and we grow and change so much as people and, um, the dimension of what we're doing changes, but why do you think people still want to get married when it has often such a short shelf life and can be so painful? Um, I think almost nobody who's getting married thinks that there's a possibility that they'll get divorced, even though statistically, and I mean, there are all sorts of statistics. I've heard it anywhere from a third to 50%. Um, so people are very hopeful. And in a way, thank God for that, that we can wake up in the morning and be hopeful that we're going to have a good day, that the people we love, we're going to love forever and they will love us back because otherwise it's a really bleak life. I think a lot of it is tradition. I think a lot of it is, you know, if you come from a family where your parents were married, there's some pressure to emulate that for some people. Um I think also there's, I mean, there's certain protections that's legal protections that spouses have, like the right to inherit from each other, the right to social security benefits, the right to property division in case of a separation. I mean, it's very painful when you see a couple that's been together for years and years and one has supported the other's career, but they never got married. And then when they separate, there's absolutely no division of property under New York state law for the most part, unless they bought a house jointly. I mean, there's, there are exceptions to everything, to most everything. So I think marriage does form an important social construct as a way to protect a lot of, I mean, I think it's still mostly women and um, and then there are other people who just really want to party. <laughs> they want to wear a white, big white dress. I mean, I, I, you know, I watch a lot of reality TV, so I know that there are those people. I don't I'm not trying to imply that that's the major cause for marriage in the United States today. Yeah. Um, or diamonds. <laughs> you know, diamonds are very appealing. Diamonds. <laughs> Um, it's, Are they? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't believe how big of an industry the wedding industry is and the rings. And it seems as social media has been introduced into our society, we see the Vera Wangs and we see this Asher cut 10 carat, you know, diamond ring on so and so. And we think, oh, that looks really good on the outside. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I, you know, that that's not my world. I'm more of the let's divide the diamond. Although to be fair, like if so, oh, an engagement ring is a ring in contemplation of marriage. So once the wedding takes place, it belongs exclusively to the person who received the ring. So it's not part of marital property. Ooh. Um, but yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, and what but, about what about if the uh, engagement doesn't become a wedding? 
um, this is basically a personal opinion. Do you think that the person who was given the ring should give the ring back? Well, under the law, they should. I mean, the, the legal it legally does not belong to the recipient, so they really should give it back. Wow. I'm learning so much today, and I don't know if I like all that I, I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> You're, you know what? You can also ignore my advice. <laughs> no, by, by law sounds like I won't like be a, offended. <laughs> by law sounds like a good idea. Um, yeah. Th- that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and so when someone – what is – I know every single case varies, and I know it's, it depends how – the length of the marriage, the division of assets, the state where the marriage was, um, I guess, put into effect or, you know, put as, together as the right. union. There's so many variables that, at how long the divorce might take, but what's a regular average time that it takes to get divorced? If, if the couple agrees on a lot of the issues pertaining to their separation, um, a mediator or a lawyer can put together an agreement that's relatively relatively fast, and by that I mean a month or so, and then it has to be processed through the courts. There is a tremendous backlog in New York in the court system now. I believe they're very understaffed, so it, it'll take about a year until the paperwork will go through. Um, but the parties can live pursuant to the agreement but have all their rights and responsibilities determined in the meantime. If there's litigation, it lasts years. I mean, it can be dragged out for such a long time, which is really tragic because a lot of people, I just, they can't afford it. They, they're paying their lawyers um, rather than reaching a resolution. And sometimes it can't be helped. But in my opinion, there are many times when you know, even in divorce, the couple has to come together to work at resolution. That's each side will be slightly unhappy with, but get it done. Right. And what what's the average cost of a divorce in New York City or New York State? I mean, I think it just varies. Yeah. It's such a great, I mean, I, I just, I couldn't even give a number anywhere from, you know, 5,000 to over 100,000. Right, right. Depending on how amicable and how many issues there are. Wow, that's fascinating. There's so many. There's so many questions I have about about it because I guess I'm, I'm, I have this fairy tale vision in my head about you know marriage and, like you said, nobody really thinks of divorce. I certainly didn't when I got married, um, but it's also something that is prevalent in in our society. Do most people that come to you have prenups? Uh, most do not, no. Okay. Some do. And is it's obviously a lot easier to have a prenuptial agreement. They can't they can't change what was signed or can they can they debate what was I, I mean prenups can be can be challenged. I think it's I think there are cases where prenups are very useful, like in um, in cases of inheritance, of family, generational wealth. It could just set the parameters of what's up for division. I mean, my personal, it, it's interesting because I was talking to a lawyer in Europe and they're like, we don't do prenups. Like, we think it's barbaric. And 
I don't feel that way. I do work on prenups. I think it's a very rational approach to money um, and to finances. The problem with prenups is we can't see into the future. We don't know what the needs are going to be, how the, how the marriage will last or not last. And most importantly, children, you cannot make provisions for children in a prenup mm. because uh, it's considered to be against public policy because the children who would benefit from it are not yet born. So you can't. And, and that is a lot of what the litigation and negotiation is, is who will take is first of all custody and then um, also the child support providing for the child. So that can never be in a prenup. And for some reason, when you were talking earlier, I was thinking at the notion of the way our world is moving now. Do you ever think that there will be something where um, people would have all the benefits of marriage, you know, everything that they've needed to do over time that, you know, sort of the notion of why marriage was created? I I watched something that I think I shared with you about um, the gentleman who was speaking about how marriage was started as part of, you know, if you owned land and our average age was going until like 40, of course, you would want the partner to have access to your land if your lifespan was very, was a lot shorter than it Mm -hmm. is now. Um, But do you ever think that there's another way to have your partner have rights uh, basically, you know, as far as if you need something, if you, uh, tax purposes, medical purposes, or financial purposes where you wouldn't have to get married, but you could have something legal documenting the nature of the relationship, making sure that one another was taken care of the way you saw fit? I mean, there it's sort of a patchwork that people have done, and um, some gay couples before marriage was legal in New York have done that by providing for each other and their wills and healthcare proxies so that like a hospital would often not recognize a gay partner because they didn't have legal status and they would take instructions from the next of kin who could have been estranged or just not part of the immediate family of the individual. So, uh, so a person who's in a relationship, um, where the marriage was not recognized by the state could hit, could sign a healthcare proxy designating a person as the next of kin. So there are definitely ways to do that, but there's no way to address absolutely every, um, absolutely every benefit in quotes (laughs) that marriage confers. Like for example, I remember working in a divorce many years ago, it was um, two men and we had to split the pension, um, sorry, and um, a 401k of one of them and transfer to the other spouse. And they both agreed to that, but that wasn't permissible because that was federal law. Um, the distribution would have been under federal law and federal law didn't recognize gay marriage. So it was like we were in this limbo state. I don't know. I mean, I think people can provide, can agree, can sign an agreement that if we ever split up, I will pay you X number of dollars. But I don't know how enforceable that will be. Yeah. And um, I mean, it makes my mind just think and think about back to the 
the time when I was getting divorced, which was quite a long time ago. Um, of course, I didn't have children. It was a different dimension. And when you both sort of are amicable in the separation, mm -hmm. it makes it a lot easier, but definitely doesn't help with all the emotional, you know, changing of names sure. and, and all that goes along with that. Yeah. Um, how long, and this is totally not related to your profession, just as a woman, how long do you think it takes people to get over? I mean, this is such a ridiculous question because everyone's different. Right. I, mean, I think it took me seven years to get over my divorce, at least. But um, how, how, how long do you think it takes someone that's just, that might not be a question you can answer? Well, well, when you say, well, of course, I can't answer it for everybody. But when you say, like, how long does it take to get over the pain of a divorce? Is it just that you no longer feel a wound, that you don't remember your wedding day? I mean, I've been divorced for over 10 years, and there are times where I still feel a bit of a sting, not because I wish I'd never gotten divorced, but just because, you know, you reflect on your life and you think about the person you were when you got married, when you were with this person, and and there's a loss, there's a void, um, even if there needs to be. So I think for, I mean, I think some people are on their way to being out of the marriage long before they get a divorce. But I think there are complicated feelings that can surface and surprise people, even when they're very happily divorced. Yeah. And, you know, one thing you mentioned this a little bit when you were talking about prenups uh, in Europe is there a reason why Americans get divorced so much more than Europeans? I mean, it seems that, that you know, in Europe, it, at least in my experience, a lot of people have mistresses, a lot of people have separate families, and they still take that marriage as something that they want to carry through their life, even if they're not happy. But Americans yeah. seem to want to go and try for some, some greater love. I was wondering if you noticed anything like that in your own in your own reflection. You know, I I don't I mean, I, I can't speak about Europe, although I can obviously speak about the entirety of the United States. I don't mean to imply <laughs> that. But I think a lot of like I know in Ireland until fairly recently, divorce was not legal. Like I think it's just because of the, the Catholicism, religion, tradition and you know, I, I don't know. I think less um, of a stigma in the United States about a divorce. I mean, most everybody knows somebody who's been divorced. It's obviously not uncommon. Um, but I, you know, you know, Europe has got to catch up with us a little. Let's break up some of those marriages. Okay, that's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. Stay happily married, Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, I don't know how happily they are because they all seem to have mistresses all over. And I say this because I know a lot of people that, yes, they're married and they say, I'll never leave my wife, but I just don't want, and I don't want to break up my family. I have a good friend actually who tells me, you know, what is the answer? He's a man, a successful man. And he says, I, I don't, I don't want to leave my family, but I'm definitely not bound to one person for the rest of my life. And I think everybody has a different vision. Now that we have all these different, let's do polyamory, let's do open relationships, let's do, you know, threesomes, it's it's changed. Everything has changed. 
Uh, yeah. And my position is that if, look, if your friend wants to, doesn't want to be with one woman who's his wife and he wants to have other relationships outside of marriage, that's, I have no judgment on that as long as his wife is okay with it too. And he's not making decisions for her that affect her. So if she's also has that opportunity and it's an understanding between them that we can date people outside of the marriage, great. But if one person's doing it, and like with anything, honesty, I, I've heard good things about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so what makes a successful, let's not even say marriage, let's say what makes a successful partnership in your mind? I mean, look, for me, again, everybody's different. Um, I think I heard Esther Perel speak once and she said, and I'm going to paraphrase this and probably badly, you know, in America, we expect our partner to be everything, our confidant, our lover, our best friend, our entertainment, or this and that. It's impossible for one person to fulfill that. You know, it's, I think, impossible. Something's going to give. There's too much pressure on that relationship where it's all this, well, it's all in. You're like with each other constantly. And um, I think, you know, I, I don't, I have no idea. I mean, I'm sort of on the other side of that. I think dishonesty very rarely helps a relationship. Yeah. Uh, I think respect, I think an equal power balance in terms of, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses and not to be, not to exploit the person's weaknesses. Not, you know, when you're in a long-term relationship with someone, you know where the pressure points are and that gives an opportunity for cruelty and manipulation and, you know, not to give into that. Yeah. The golden rule, you know, treat others like you want to be treated. And especially, I mean, especially, I think, if you're um, married to each other. I mean, this is a person that at some point you stood up in front of other people, promised to love. I think some people be, it would behoove them to remember that when they're going through a divorce. This should not be your mortal enemy. Yeah. This is a person you at some point thought you would have a life with and to honor that somehow. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I also, when I think of uh, the notion of relationships, I mean, every, like you said, everyone is so different. And what we need as human beings is generally similar, but, you know, we might need you know, a lot of space or a lot of distance or a lot of time or a lot of affection or whatever the case is. I, I think it's hard mm -hmm. to find relationships in all types of relationships, just not your immediate, you know, intimate relationship. But yeah, it's, it's hard to find that connection. And maybe part of it is just growing the connection with self, with your own self and understanding what you're looking for. I know that's a big part of discovery in, on my own way is trying to understand what I need through all the kaleidoscope perspective of the good and the bad and my, you know, liabilities and my assets uh, for myself sure. first. Sure. And I think it's in a way, I, like we all want to be happy. And when our partner comes home and we had a shitty day, we want him or her to take like the the crap of our day away. And, you know, and sometimes like my partner will come home and I will say something to him and then I'll like say it again and again. And he says to me like, 
are you just bored? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bored. Yeah. You know, um, and, and he's like, well, yeah, maybe you can watch some TV or something. But, <laughs> but it's just like, we're all human. We're all fallible. And our partners can't solve all our problems. That's, that's our work. Yeah, that's very true. I, uh, this week in therapy, I, I learned something very old from myself. That's sort of a lens that I have on top of mm-hmm. how I go through life. And I'm trying to see how it dictates the pace of my friendships, my prior relationships. And I feel sort of foolish that at, at 48 years old, I'm just now, it's like the he- my head just kind of opened up and I'm seeing something different. Mm. But I think that's part of the journey of life um, that just, yeah. you're supposed to receive something when you're supposed to receive it. It doesn't arrive early and it it may be late, but it's just on time at the same time. That's completely right, I think. Like we all learn things at our own pace and life is such a great teacher. It shows that re- things are revealed when it's time to be revealed. Yeah. Does anything scare you about marriage and what you just with what you see or been out there in, in your own profession or even personally? Mm. Look, I don't think that I would ever get married again. You know, like the whole, I'm in my 50s. You know, I have grown children. The prospect of a wedding ceremony scares me. (laughs) The prospect (laughs) of having to, like, you know, like I remember when I got married, we had a priest, like a... I want to say a secular priest, which makes no sense, but it was like some kind of minister. And then we were married by a judge. And then we had to make all these decisions. And I just like, I mean, I was very happy to get married, but I just like, I don't care about all of that minutia. Like I bought the first dress I tried on. I mean, it was really nice. So it was, but like, I don't care about the, you know, what the first course is. And I sort of wonder, but I, like I got married when I was in my late late twenties and I already didn't care. Now I don't care so much more. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sorry, everybody out there who wants to marry me. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> I hope your audience isn't too disappointed that I will not be marrying any of them. <laughs> you might get some, I might get some emails I have to forward you. Yeah. You I, know, you're going to have to block them. I know it's going to happen. It happens every time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess everyone has their, you know, it's interesting in my, in my mindset, I always thought probably because my parents were, one of the couples that got divorced in my town when nobody was getting divorced and it was just mm-hmm. unheard of. And, you know, people would say, oh, her parents got divorced. She's poor now. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> so I think somewhere inside me, I thought that um, marriage was some sort of trophy token that meant you had something important, that somebody loved you, that that you had a committed family almost. And so I think I've gone through a lot of my own life with that notion that if you're married, everything just follows mm. in a certain way because 
you're seen and loved by someone. And I remember saying that to a friend of mine and she said, just because you're married doesn't mean everything is what it, what it is that ring or is what it looks like. It's not, it's not, it's just, it just means you're married. That's right. And I think I, in your version, it was obviously a very happy, idealized marriage, which could be, which is obviously wonderful. We all want that person that feels like home base to us that we feel safe with. So I think that's really important. And if that's, if somebody has that marriage, God bless. But, but I think divorce can mean, like, I, I felt even I think a lot of people, maybe less in New York, but feel a certain stigma about an, a divorce. But I think it can mean that you stood up for yourself and you you and your partner both stood up for yourselves. And maybe you figured out that's what's best for the two of you not to be living together anymore, not to be married to each other anymore. Maybe it was better for your children not to see the conflict between the parents. I don't see it as a failure at all, yeah. at all. Yeah, I love that. I love that line I heard from somewhere that when you love somebody, where does the love go? And I think that it stays with you because you had this experience. And even if it ends in a way, you do look back, as you mentioned, with some sort of happy nostalgia, like you created a family together, you shared these moments together, you grew through something. And I think it's a pretty powerful connection to be connected to another human being, no matter how long it lasts. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, There was one other question I was thinking I wanted to ask you, um, but my mind sort of went astray. I I could ask you about these things all the time because this is probably one of my biggest curiosities is, oh, I know what it was. So the gentleman that you and I have spoken about, he's this divorce lawyer who's constantly talking about it. He said, think about it in your own life. How many marriages have you seen that would, that you would actually want for yourself? And he said, I know one couple. And he explained that he and his wife saw this couple and they were at Disneyland with their kids or something. And he just watched how they interacted with each other. And then he looked at his wife and he said that he, both of them had this pivotal moment where they thought, we, we, don't, we don't have that. We don't look at each other the way this couple, you know, looks at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have one, how many images of that sort of marriage do you have in your own, that you've seen in your own life? Um, I have some, but it's very different seeing somebody like out of the corner of your eye for a 10 minute period and seeing them day after day. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking to myself after I heard that gentleman say that that in my lifetime, I've seen one couple who I would want their marriage. The rest of the couples I know, Mm. I wouldn't want their marriage. I'm happy that they're married and they're able to go through things together, but it doesn't look attractive to me. But it's also, I, I mean, I really believe strongly that nobody knows what goes on in the marriage except the two people in the marriage. So no matter how good, bad, or ugly something looks, it's just unknowable to to us looking on from the outside. That's so true. That is so true. 
Oh, this has been very yeah. insightful and lovely. Thank you for coming to talk to oh, us. Yay. Thank you for listening to Talk Too Tall. If you are feeling like you need help to find your truth, please shoot us an email with your question to talktotalia at gmail.com. It's T-A-L-K, the number two, T-A-L-L-I-A at gmail.com. You'll never know your truth unless you ask for it.